0: You're
1: listening to Wicked Thoughts, a podcast by Flair Castro. This show helps founders and professionals understand business trends, social media, digital lifestyle, and how to be a better entrepreneur. For season four, we cover topics powered by a dash of social. Let's start learning in three, two, one. Hello, everyone. Welcome again to Wicked Thoughts. We are at Season 4 for Dash of Social. And we have our guest here today, Mr. Jason Cruz. So Jason, you guys, he is a communications and brand strategist by profession. And he is also a business coach and content creator. So I'm sure we're going to learn a lot for this episode with Jason right here. He also has a YouTube channel. The title is Better Today with Jason Cruz. And I actually looked at it a while ago. <laughs> Ang ganda na mga videos. Very informative. And from there, sa YouTube channel niya, you're going to learn a lot about work-life inspiration. And of course, um, I'll turn it over to you, Mr. Jason. Can you introduce yourself in your own words?
0: In my own words? Uh, hi, everybody. Yeah, By suppose. the way, Flair, uh, thank you so much for having me on your podcast Uh oh. Big honor. My pleasure. <laughs> Thanks for inviting me. Uh, yeah, I think you've, you've pretty much covered it. I'm nine, nine years going on 10 years in the digital marketing industry. I think we've known each other professionally for a very long time, even though I don't think we've yes. ever like worked on anything together. So this is going to be a first for us. Uh, yeah, so I'm pretty much the person that a lot of people ask when it comes to social media marketing, digital marketing, a little bit about work-life content in the last two years Mm. or so. Yeah, so Mm. let's see how we can uh, make this podcast interesting. Oh, for sure.
1: So Jason, I remember um, uh, the last time we chatted, not the last time because I was trying to consult with you on some things that we need for Content Dash, which is our startup. But back before that, um, we were able to work together actually. I asked for your help, um, how to scale up a team. That was when... Startup Palang Din Si 30 Media. So, Diba, I'm not sure if you remember that.
0: I, I think I remember that. Um, Around when was that? 2013? 14?
1: Yeah, that was super early. Early days of 30 Media. I was trying to scale the team. Tapos, I, I consulted with you and I had to ask, like, how to. Um, how to expand a team of a social media team, ba? And then I remembered one of your advices was to actually think about it like a pizza box team. Um, parang dapat gadon yung size ng team mo. Tapos okay. if you plan to expand, that's yeah. going to be too much. So yun yung pinaka na-remember ko. I know me.
0: the year now. That's 2013. Because oh. when I was setting up, uh, I was setting up four social media sub-teams in my agency before. And so I was looking for inspiration and, and I saw this. Uh, I forgot which book I read it from. It's about building a team that you can feed with one order of pizza. So it's a pizza pizza box size team. So, four people, four to five people, tapos multi skilled. Dapat, ba? So, if you want to scale up, magdagdag kanalang ng teams rather than hiring in the uh,
1: piece Yeah, right, right. And back. By this time, you were still working in an agency. Am I right? You were connected to Yeah, technically, to I'm
0: still with an agency. Yeah. So it's oh, been about, okay. it's, it's almost been 10 years. The first mm-hmm. seven and a half, I was working for a creative agency. And then uh, the last year and 10 months, I'm working in a data agency. So I kind of wanted to expand in what I knew when it comes to digital. So I wanted to learn more about the data and the tech side. And yeah, I am mind-blown in the capabilities of na. Uh, companies and, and and organizations at this point. By the way, I'm speaking in Taglish. Is that okay?
1: Yeah, of course. That's fine. Okay. No worries. I'm sure our listeners will enjoy it either way. So, ayun, Sir Jason, I've been calling you sir because I know that you were also teaching. Know, You're don't. also teaching.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: fine. Uh, i You were also teaching. Sa, sa, I teach in two programs. Know, Mm-hmm. Yeah, so
0: I, I teach in the Certified Digital Marketer program. I've been in that yeah, program that for one. more than eight years. I think I was one mm-hmm. of the very first. people. I was one of. I know I'm one of the very first, or if not the first person to, kind of really teach social media marketing from the oh. experience and perspective of an agency guy. I think of most of the people who were teaching social media at the time, they came more from a previous tech. You know, like community management, maybe in the forums, but I'm a, the era yeah. of like Facebook communities, I think I was one of the very first. And then um, over the last two years, I've been teaching less than two years actually, I've been teaching in Enderun for the social mm. media marketing program for businesses.
1: Right. So CDM and then Enderun in yeah. the perspective of an agency, like someone coming from an agency. Did yeah, you imagine yourself? Oh, oh. Like, did you imagine yourself uh, or branding yourself as a Thought leader in this space, right? I mean, not everyone can do that. Like transitioning from <laughs> working in an agency and then now you're teaching. You're a program director. You are a program director, right? That was your yeah. Name. I'm I'm okay. the
0: program director. I'm the track chair for CDM for social media, mm-hmm. and I'm also mm-hmm. uh, leading the program for social media marketing, specific to social media marketing for Enderan. Uh on the question of being a thought leader, I I think being a thought leader is not something that anyone could like put them, put them put them themselves as a label i think Mm-mm. i think your students and your clients and the community at large will see you as one if your thoughts like literally your thoughts and your <laughs> what 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 you share are useful mm-hmm. and effective for them so it kind of keeps me on my toes as well so i have to make sure like my modules and my lessons are very up to date so it helps that i'm a practitioner uh, it also helps that I work on a lot of brands, so I get to bring a lot of experiences to the table. There's one thing that I say to my classes all the time. It's not that I am significantly better at them than mm-hmm. uh, significantly better than them when it comes to social media marketing. It's just that I've done it more often and at 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 scale, talaga. Like
1: right. Mm-hmm. I, I
0: try to count as well how many campaigns I've been involved in, and I'm approaching two hundred. I believe, yeah. Wow. The last nine and a half years. So I've made a I've decade made of career. Mis- wow. It's crazy, it's crazy. I've made more mistakes than than more most people. So mistakes, I see them as learning opportunities. So I guess that's where the whole experience comes into play, you know. Because I've I've just made more mistakes. I've I've managed to learn a lot more from from uh, some of and the I'm stupid sure- stuff I've done for oh, brands. Oh.
1: <laughs> And I'm sure not everyone, or even for brands, Diba, right? That is something that they can't afford to have, like make mistakes, do experiments in a way. But then, of course, these brands don't also want to be, become guinea pigs of campaigns, deba. Right?
0: Uh, actually, you know, you'd be surprised. One thing that I, I recommend some of my clients, actually most of my clients, is you got to have a little bit of your marketing campaigns for experimentation. Uh, right. I guess a safe number is like 10% of your marketing Budget or ten percent of your efforts should always be about experimentation. The, the, the stuff that you don't know if they will work, but you'll never know unless you try. And I think that's a very good way to approach life and career in general, deba. Right? You gotta have you gotta have your you gotta have your safety net, but then a part of you is always trying to learn something. A part Go of you is explore. trying to experiment. Yeah, exploring, <laughs> looking not not looking to fail, but not being. Not being hurt or not being damaged if something crashes and burns. Because it's 10% long namans na effort mo.
1: Mm. And also it becomes their parang platform so that they don't get left behind with the trends and the changes. And I'm sure these exactly. are the things. Oh, these are the things that you also would want to cover, let's say being a program director for these um students that you have. So how do you I know you have to keep the module updated and this this is something that I'm I'm not sure if the schools are aware but they have to be out there and actually yeah. know the environment in you know in digital marketing yeah, yeah, yeah. so how do you agree. insert this and like make sure that these courses are updated
0: I, I super agree with you so I want to touch on that the the, the, oh. the world of the traditional schools because I came from oh. a family that's that's in that world my my mom is a my mom is an academic. She used to be a vice dean of a university abroad. And now she's oh. teaching in a school in the States. And so I grew up in a world where, you know, you have your modules that haven't been changed in in a decade or more. You're in a, the world of, of, of traditional academics. In the digital world, what I think is more important, and I, I speak for myself, and not the programs that I represent, and not the schools that I have become a guest lecturer at, I speak for myself. I think that getting practitioners to teach programs is so much more important than making them uh, making them have a requirement like a master's degree. Honestly, I'll give you an example. There is a university here in the Philippines that was forced to let go of some of their award-winning marketing and advertising teachers. Because these teachers did not have a master's degree, but these guys have awards in the creative and marketing and advertising oh, worlds. Gosh. So the way I see it is, I think that a teacher who's practicing right now is far more updated, far more knowledgeable in the current trends, in the zeitgeist of the marketing world, versus a professor who may have a master's degree, but has not, Practice in the last 10 to 15 years. Again, this is my opinion. I'm not saying that the professor with a master's degree is less valuable. What I'm saying is that that professor may not be as updated as a practitioner. So to answer now the question in a long-winded way, the way I keep myself updated is because I work on a lot of campaigns like in the present. So I am always in the thick of things. And for your listeners who are looking for anyone to teach them digital marketing, I think they have to they have to learn it from people who are practicing. They can't be learning sure. it from somebody whose last project was 10 years ago. It just it doesn't work. I mean, Flair, you and I 10 years ago, what were we doing? Right? I know, it's, right. It was it was how to write tweets in 120 characters, how to use a hashtag, right? <laughs> so cool. It the world changes so fast. And so you got to go for you got to learn from people who are live, you know, right now.
1: Yes, I super agree with you on that. Like you have to learn from people who are actually updated in the first place. But now I don't know if you noticed, Jason, huh, But you know, with the boom of the creator economy, it's not just us being practitioners in this field. They're also yeah, like yeah. growing na- like people who are coming into our industry, also learning what we're we're trying to do, but yeah. also building a name for themselves. I yeah. mean. Do you think this is going to be a good thing for industry? And, you know, in in that train of thought, how do they present themselves as experts? You know, like I know we always use the term personal branding for this, but do you think, like, you know, is this a good thing? And how do they position themselves as one of the experts?
0: The first part of that question is it a good thing? I I would believe so, because Mm -hmm. the more perspectives, the more ways to do things that we have in the right. industry, the better. That, that's just how I see it. I, I've never seen influencers and content creators as competitors for agencies and consultants like myself and business coaches. I don't think they're competitors. I think they're opportunities for collaboration because they, they bring something new to the table. They have expertise and things that somebody who's trained in an agency like me, uh, or somebody who's an entrepreneur and a business owner like you they have a very different perspective imagine if we can bring right. all of those perspectives to solve a business challenge or a messaging story challenge ganda de ba now on the yeah yeah on the second part on the on how are they presenting themselves with personal branding this is where i think i'm a little bit torn i've seen i've seen cases where influencers have have tried to position themselves as marketing consultants mm. and as marketing experts but the fund- fundamentals are not there. The way they use their inf- quote-unquote influences, basta marami followers, that works. But uh-huh. oh, oh. it's not enough, right? You have to know if it's suited to the business. Is it talking to the right target market? Uh, can you show ROI and can you show results for the brands that you're representing? So the way the good ones are positioning themselves is very results-oriented. You know, They don't come to brands and say, hey, I have 100,000 followers. I have a million subscribers. Basta, partner tayo. No, they don't do that. The way they, they've they packaged themselves is, I'm very good at topic X and I can reach Y group of of uh, target audiences to deliver Z results. Diba parang may structure. There is, a, there is a definite benefit for the person and also the business that they're partnering with. So it's a win-win situation.
1: For sure, for sure. And yun ngay, one of my guests... I had a chica with them also last week. He also mentioned that, you know, with the boom of the creator economy, there has to be a way to bring in these creators and then... Give them an idea how to actually translate it into you know business language yeah, that I agree. you know, we we actually look at which which are the KPIs at the end of the day. So before going to the actual KPIs and discussing it, I know we're gonna geek out about it or what. But Diba, I don't know if you noticed, but they say the Gen Zs Dao, Sila yung pinaka dapat target natin to work with because they are the ones who know the algorithm in the first place. Sila yung pinaka updated, sila yung alumna panubay tweak or how to maximize this certain platform to reach my audience. What do you think about that? Yung mga Gen Z's natin ngayon?
0: So, I believe that yes, I agree that the Gen Z's are great target audiences, but I actually like them as target audiences for a different reason. Not because they're tech savvy, because we millennials, we are also the digital <laughs> generation, right? So we are, we are, we are as knowledgeable as them. But what I do like about targeting Gen Zs, and if you guys, you have listeners here or business people, you'd like this fact: they are, they are about to enter the workforce. You know, a lot of them are yes, a lot of them are college age, but a lot of them are also entering the workforce. What does that mean? you have Gen Zs with spending capacity. And if you're a business or you're a brand, you're always looking for a target audience that can spend money on you. And our average age as a country is 23. So that's smack right at Gen Z territory, right? What does that tell you as well? That means that if you as a business can capture the Gen Z now with your marketing campaigns, with your promos, your products, your services, whatnot, if you can capture them now, you have a very good chance of keeping them loyal for a longer period of time right and so your customer lifetime value is also longer on a morbid point of view and i hope none of your listeners like kill me for it's this
1: morbid imagine
0: man. if you <laughs> yeah, imagine if you're targeting baby boomers who are in their 60s and oh, 70s. realistically again i apologize if anybody is hurt by these comments if you communicate with them and they only have what 5 to 10 years of customer literally lifetime value left for you <laughs> It's not, not enough. necessarily yeah it's not necessarily the best business strategy but if you're talking with somebody who's 23 years old and can keep them to your brand for the next 10 15 20 30 years but that makes more business sense so I like it when I have to create a strategy that recruits gen Z's because I know mm-hmm. if we do this campaign right you're probably setting up your brand or your client for the next 20 years so that's actually a very good thing for both for the for the business right. strategies and also for the company.
1: So it's like a, something something of a long term strategy that you put always think, yeah. Your brand. I'm always think yeah, I'm a strong believer. Yeah, I'm a strong believer in long term. Right. For them as targets for our campaigns, that works. But how about them being representatives of your brand yourself? Like, for example, um, TikTok, right? it has been like booming as a new platform that every business has to get into yeah and then the way that you tap or use the platform is to actually get these creators so how is that something that um, agencies or companies right now are trying to understand or they already cracked the code for tiktok
0: i don't know about cracking the code i don't think I don't think we've cracked the code on any platform, you know, because if we did, <laughs> every sure. single partnership with influencers works. But we know that it doesn't. But I do know that since last year, you've got businesses that are already working with influencers on on TikTok. Mm-hmm. The way mm-hmm. I see TikTok is the way I would always approach platforms, and I don't think about a specific platform, mm-hmm. but rather I focus on are my target market, are my clients' there. target markets mm-hmm. on a particular platform, because if you start thinking target market first, it allows you to be safe from changes in platforms. Because what I notice is, I mean, back in 2013, we started creating campaigns for brands for Facebook. And then 2014, 2015, we created specifically for Instagram. But what happens if these platforms are gone tomorrow? They were dead. Your, your campaign is flat on its feet. But if you think about target audiences, you think about messages, you think about which emotion to own. You think about... Uh connections, you think about relationships, and then the platform is a way to get to the target market. So the brands that are doing well on TikTok, it's because they understand their target market more than they understand the platform. At least that's I mean, that, that's my opinion.
1: I super agree with you. I don't know if you were awake at that time, but when we had the major outage of Facebook, yeah. were you online during that time? I was. I, was I am a night
0: owl. I never really
1: same same.
0: The thing, the thing is, in June two thousand fourteen, we had that big global Facebook outage, oh. and I'm super proud that our team was the very first Filipino company that sent out a tweet, the KitKat tweet of uh, Facebook oh. taking a break. Yeah, that was yeah. So the yeah, our are. our social manager who wrote that was freaking genius. But so I was like waiting for a brand to to. Make fun of it or do something about it, but people kind of just went crazy that Facebook was gone. But did it really matter for a lot of businesses? Um, I don't know. Maybe not because we have diversified right, the, where we are. So mm. brands mm. were on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok. So it was. I think it was business as usual after that day.
1: For sure. But do they? Should we encourage these businesses to plan ahead? And Always, make sure yeah. that they diversify on different platforms because you know in the Philippines, like Facebook has been the top top it platform. Is, it's
0: it's got and when gear. you
1: Exactly, and then when you talk to them, they would just say, "Okay, I can afford just one platform, so let me choose Facebook." Is that yeah. going to be something healthy that we should continue advocating for? For you know, especially for the MSMEs, because that's what, <laughs> those are the business owners that I'm concerned with. They only have so much bu- budget, Jason. Yeah, I'm
0: I'm super passionate about helping MSMEs as well, because that's been my, my own personal growth thrust over the last 18 oh. months. Can I help more as MSMEs? So what I always tell them is that, uh, and for your listeners as well, your, your number one, your first and last digital touch point should always be a website. I'm a big believer in owned media. So you have to have something that you own. And a website is something okay. that you own. It's your identity. It's your digital footprint and house in the internet world. You got to have a website. And if you have to choose between having a website and social media platforms, I think it's smarter to pick a website. Now, if you have a little bit of effort, money, brains, and time and resources to spare, then Mm -hmm. the safest platform is usually Facebook only because that's where most of your target audiences will be. It's like the common denominator among all your potential target markets. The questions about should you diversify into lots and lots of platforms? to well, a certain degree i would agree with that so the how i would advise a lot of my students and and the brands that i work on you don't have to be present on 10 platforms you can be on you can be very good on 2 to 3 and generally that works well for you you have to know your product you have to know your target audiences very generic advice no sorry <laughs> but if you know your product and you know your target audience the platforms kind of pick themselves example if i was selling trucks like construction trucks I might not want to be on Twitter. Sayang effort eh. I might probably concentrate on my website, Facebook, Mm -hmm. and maybe LinkedIn so that I can find procurement people. Aside from those three platforms, I might not even expound anymore. So you have to know your product and you have to know who you're talking to.
1: Exactly. And I agree with that. So. For the MSMEs, usually you na- mentioned ko, no, they're very challenged with resource. Usually they're the only ones actually managing their social media. Yeah, yeah, It's quite healthy to um build your business on social nowadays. Cause I know before we always encourage them to also try to You know, have presence offline or like use newspaper, radio ads, and all that. But now, I mean, we've seen a lot of use cases in the middle of this pandemic, deba. I mean, purely social. Can we do that? Run your business?
0: I think yes. The and the easy answer there is yes. Uh, Only because social media is mature enough in our country that you could Mm -hmm. probably learn it in a day. And Mm -hmm. I've had students enroll in the CDM where they are sort of running their store, their their companies already on Facebook or on LinkedIn. They just want to fine tune their efforts and want to make sure Mm -hmm. that it's more aligned to business objectives. So I think the short answer is yes, you can build your business on social media. The long answer is yes, but you have to know how to do it correctly. You have to have some structure. You have to have an objective. That's very important. You have to know some technical skills such as content creation, media planning, so that your your efforts on social media is a little bit more pointed, you know, it's not it's not being there for the sake of being there, but rather it's because you know what you're doing on the platform.
1: So if I get started, for example, on a brand that I want to build, let's say I want to finally launch my kombucha business, Jason. Kombucha. So, okay, okay, so. Social media, yes, I'll think about it. I'll build a website. I have my Facebook page. And then now you're telling me, okay, you have to know your target audience. What's the easiest way that I can do that? If I'm fresh from, you know, um, fresh, bago palang na entrepreneur and I just launched this business or I was just thinking about it, hindi pangana register di ba? I just want test to my, test my product. If talagang my need, how would I go about that? Like, pinaka first step talaga.
0: The easiest way to identify your target market is to see who is potentially going to buy it, that doesn't have, that doesn't have other choices. So I'll give you an example from a, a marketing plan that I did Mm-mm. for my friend's CrossFit box way back in 2015. We knew that a lot of people do CrossFit in 2015. We knew that mm, the kind true. of CrossFit person who does it is you know the beefy, muscular okay. man. Who's shirtless a profile. and but a profile? Na sila, but we were thinking, you know what? If we if we created a CrossFit box, na ganun, then number one, you're gonna intimidate newbies. Number two, you're you're isolating your target market into one very specific kind of audience profile. So we wanted to veer away from that. And so the the, the way we sold the CrossFit box was that. It's very beginner-friendly because that gives you a bigger mm. top of funnel. But it gives you more potential. We call it uh, the, the customer universe. We have we have a bigger customer universe. There are more newbies versus meatheads. Facts. Oh. Uh, we also oh. wanted to be more friendly towards female, uh, female fitness enthusiasts. And the reason we were very pointed at that is because a lot of gyms are not necessarily friendly to, to female goers, right? You have oh, a lot of guys who are ogling them. Drama. You have young meathead culture that's quite abrasive and a bit offensive. So we wanted purposely to make sure that our female coaches, for example, are are very visible. We wanted to make mm. sure that they were the faces of the box. Para it, it becomes a safe space for our target market safe of newbies space. and also women fitness enthusiasts. And that's precisely how the, the 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 CrossFit box survived for five years until um, the ownership decided to to close it down. It didn't close down because it didn't have business. It was it was an evolution and actually good timing because a few months later it was a pandemic, so they dodged the bullet there. <laughs>
1: That's a good thing. So that's how you identify parang sino ba talaga yung ideal customer that I should target on social media. So now I know that, okay, ito yung profile ko. So how do I get started with um, campaigns? Should I go immediately to campaign? Should I think about a strategy first? Right. What should I do next?
0: Uh, the way I do it is very structured. I always start with objective. I think a lot of businesses that come to me, especially MSMEs that go for consultations, uh, they have a lot of ideas now for content. So in for my sure. head, content strategy is very rarely the problem of Filipino MSMEs. The biggest problem is the whole objective setting. They don't really know what they want to do. Uh, mm-hmm. For example, I, I, I would have a business um, consult. Uh, Jason, we're selling bags. And we have all of these content ideas. We already hired models so we can do photo shoots. Tapos, we have this bowl of 1,000 photos of the bags. Uh, What now? So, I would come back to them. And this is a real consultation case, by the way. I I, I talked to the owner and said, what are you trying to do? Like, what's your overall objective? And she says, um… To sell bags. I said, see, that's not coming out to me. (laughs) It's like you want to take photos of bags. You don't want to sell the bags. So the objective part, I think, is where every business should start. For me, that's step one. If you know your objective, you're halfway there, right? Because if you don't know where you're going, how do you know where to walk towards or where to drive towards, right? You have to have a destination. So I asked, we we work on fine-tuning the objective. So what's your objective to sell bags? How many bags do you want to sell every month? And she said, uh, why is that important? I said, so that you have a number. Because if you don't have a number, you don't know if you're improving or you are Tama. not improving. Mm-hmm. You don't know if you're successful or you're not successful. It's it's, uh, it's a pointless exercise. So, okay, let's target 200 bags every month. See, that's good. So next month, where everything that we're going to do is, is about helping you sell 200 bags every month. So... When you know that your objective is to sell 200 bags every month, even the way you write your post captions is to encourage people to order now, to buy now. Right. Maybe you can even do a buy two free one because you know mm-hmm. that you have to move 200 bags next month. And when you, when you don't achieve that, that's actually okay mm-hmm. because now you know what to tweak. Maybe 200 was too much. So next month, try to reduce it to 190. If you hit 190 try to go for 200. And if you hit 200, you know that maybe 190 was a good start, but the objective is still there, right? To sell bags. But it's about fine tuning. How much? Ba- how many bags do you want to sell? To who? How are you going to encourage people to buy those bags? If your objective is solid, it's clear, it's something uh, very visible and tangible to you, most of the time, the whole social media marketing plan writes itself.
1: Right. But then, Jason, what if yung consult mo, sabi niya, um, okay, I want 200 bags, but then yung actual result, like you said nga, it didn't reach that. How do we justify, how do we justify the spend that they're they're putting in or the efforts that they're putting in if it didn't reach their objective in the first place, which was already fine-tuned? So how do we parang defend that one? How do you usually uh,
0: do it? I don't know about defense, but I don't, I, 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 I don't, <laughs> Think I've ever been in a position where I had to defend something because we start with the assumption that your products are good, right? So if your products Whoa, are not, of course, right? right? <laughs> but that's the problem a lot of companies, and I, and I speak in a very broad general term here, but I don't, I don't get burned alive. There are a lot of companies that think they have good products, but it's actually rubbish. Ouch. It's true, it's true, you know. <laughs> How um, do we tell
1: them? I've worked 200. Your back suck or something I've like worked, that. I've worked
0: I've worked on I've I've worked on consulting for some restaurants <laughs> and we've had very honest talks about hey, the food's not so good, huh? I mean, it's, it's just not. So we can do all the social media strategy Uh-oh. and engagement strategy in the world, but if people are still going to go to your Facebook page and complain that the food is bad, Uh-oh. what are we gonna do? So I think it starts with having a good product or service. If your product Uh-oh. is and I'm not even saying be excellent. Walapata I'm saying your product has to meet a minimum, a minimum <laughs> standard of people, uh, for, from people, right? And if you can meet that minimum standard, then the social media marketing strategy will more or less do the extra job for you. But you, the product has to be relatively acceptable. Otherwise, it it's just it's just not gonna move.
1: Definitely, and it's something that you have to usually tell the MSMEs at this point, na okay, there are things that you have to fix first before yeah. we can move anything. Can and I share yeah, a story? Oh, oh, go, uh, go st- ahead. I, so last
0: year, I was consulting for DTI and uh, I had to mentor mga 40 to 50 MSMEs. Oh, oh. I swear, there were about six or seven of them who had the exact same product. they were selling uh,
1: oh gosh, spicy
0: toyo spicy toyo in oh, the job. jar. I, I, by the way, I love spicy toyo in a jar. So I was so excited when I first heard it and then another another person consulted the spicy toyo then and after about that six to se- six to seven spicy toyo and then we had the whole and you know, everybody's in the zoom call and I said, look here's a challenge. A lot of you are selling the same product. So there are only two things that's gonna happen here. Number one, you undercut each other's price. That's a oh, that's oh. a business strategy, which means race to the bottom. Nobody wins in a race to the bottom. Talo all of I agree, you. Agree, agree. Now the job is harder because you have to justify to a shopper that your spicy toyo is worth more or more valuable versus the other spicy to you. and that's very very difficult to do. You can have a different packaging. You can have a different name. <laughs> You could spend more on marketing. But at the end of the day, the product are all the same. So I told them sometimes, Yes, sometimes I tell them when you're thinking about a business, you have to also try and enter a business where you you don't have so many competitors because the moment, imagine that one session and six out of the 40 attendees have the exact same business. It's crazy.
1: That would be it's, so awkward, uh, ba? How do I help yeah. you guys? You all have the same product.
0: Exactly. So I was giving them advice. All right, paunahan na lang kayan magproduce na toa. Ah. So maybe one of you has spicy toyo, but then you also bundle it with bread, freshly baked bread, pang oh. breakfast, ba? Pwede? Or what about if your spicy toyo is supposedly for ulam and then you position it as a as something that you can cook with, with rice, fried rice? Mm-mm. So. Mm-hmm. Iba na lang ibahin na lang yung way of consumption, cause that makes it slightly different, makes it slightly mm-hmm. more unique. And again, you know, it's it's very hard to be unique if so many of you are selling the same product. So for your listeners, and you have a business, sometimes you gotta change change up a little bit what you offer. Otherwise, you're competing with a hundred different brands.
1: That's very interesting. Uh. So you you have to have parang balik tayo sa start. You have to have a unique value proposition in the first oh, place. Yeah. What makes you different? And all what makes that. you different? Yep. <laughs> right. And then you go to yun nga, the one we talked about, you have to have your ideal customer persona. If I'm doing this by myself putting together that profile, what's the best way that, that I can do it? Do I just tell my marketer or myself that this is or customer persona, or do you use usually tools with your students?
0: Uh, I think well, from 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 um my work, my day to day work, I've been quite lucky because I have access to a lot of market research. So my clients oh. generally have a good set of data on who the target mm-hmm. market is. But for like my own businesses, um, our business, my wife and I, we sell. We have a we have a cheese company. Whoa, and the way we, we love cheese. That's why we wanted to do that. And look, our, the way we do our, our product is, how do you make it unique, right? Because it's relatively expensive because it's handmade. For sure. Uh, mm. So that's what we sell to people. It's handcrafted. And if ah. it's if it's handcrafted, there's already an automatic connection. Uh, you know, it's probably more expensive than just buying sure. your your <laughs> usual cheese whiz, right? So it justifies. Plus, it's very limited. I think mm. the most we've ever made was seguro you know, 26 jars a week. So, mm. Very, very limited. Uh, that makes it that's a unique value proposition. It's limited, it's it's handcrafted and it's uh, made to order. Anyway, mm-hmm. if you're starting out with your with your ideal customer profile, I actually want to share with your listeners' a framework that I have when i yeah. when I teach ideal customer profile. The first is to identify the usual, the demographics. I think that's mm-hmm. where a lot of companies start. But that's also where they end. Your demographics would be the age range, the gender if it's applicable. Because some products are really only for women. Some products are only for guys. So, mm. but you know, cheese could be for anybody. So that's our demographic. <laughs> and I think very important is spending capacity. If you have identified that your product is a bit mahal, a bit more pricey, you have to be aware na liliit yung universe of customers mo ha? So be, be, be just, just be conscious that no one is stopping you from raising your prices, but your potential universe of customers will be smaller. That's neither right nor wrong. It's whether or not that's effective for you. Now, that's step one. Step two would be identifying digital behaviors. Digital behaviors, meaning how are people behaving online? What are they doing online? What are the kind of stuff that they are consuming? What kind of content are they watching? Um, How much time do they spend on whichever platforms? And those are generally available publicly. So for example, you can Google how many hours do Filipinos spend on social media every day? You'll probably get a result of four to five hours per day. How many Mm. Filipinos are on Facebook? You'll probably get numbers around 70, 70 million or so. So it gives you a good idea of what people are doing online. On the flip side, step number three is to identify what's the offline behavior. What are people doing when they are not online? And this is where it gets tricky you have to spend time observing your ideal customer profile or ideal customer persona in the in the wild you know in the real world before the pandemic how i used to do this was for my clients i would literally go to a supermarket and i would just watch who are buying stuff on the aisle Definitely. a funny story i was working on Wyeth, the infant nutrition milk brand uh i think this is 2017 or 2018 Can't remember which year, but I was working at Wyeth, and it was so challenging for me because I'm a guy, I don't have kids, uh, so it's it's. (laughs) And you were there
1: on the aisle. (laughs) I was there
0: on the aisle with my account manager, so we were observing how people were buying milk, and I was just there for two and a half hours on that one aisle, Mm. and I was just writing notes like, who are the kinds of people who are getting cans of Wyeth? Are they putting it in their baskets? Are they returning it? Are they reading the label? And I would ask. Randomly questions, you know. So I would I would go up to these people and say, um, "Hey, uh, by the way, um, excuse me, I'm Jason. I noticed that you got this kind of YF uh, milk. What what made you choose it? Uh, and and is it your first? You know, is it for a first baby? Is it for a second baby? And so I discovered quite a lot of stuff. So for example, first time parents they tend to actually read." the nutrition information much longer. Of course. Uh, yeah. But experienced mm. parents, they don't. They don't even care because they already know. You know what I mean? They they just grab they it. just look for the so familiar one. Mm-hmm. They're familiar. So that's that's what I learned, you know, that um I could I could already tell who are first time parents versus experienced parents. Another thing that I noticed was uh, mm. when people put in infant nutrition milk in their baskets. Tapos, it's infant nutrition milk is expensive, and YF is mm. you know in, in, in pushing the premium pricing up. Uh, it is in the premium pricing category a little bit. People would actually empty out items in their basket huh, to make budget mm. for the milk. So that also gave me quite a lot of insights about how people prioritize uh, yeah. their spends. Yeah. And then how and the share of wallet. So offline behavior, very important. Step number four and step number five are very related. Four would be positive motivators. And step number five would be the opposite, the negative motivators. When I look at positive motivators, I look for the aspirations, the hopes, the dreams of the target market. What, did, what do they want? Mm-hmm. For example, if my target market uh, way back in 20, I think 2019, I, I got to work on Tim Hortons and they had a target market of call center agents because they had a 24-hour branch somewhere in Makati. And I was I was trying to think, you know, if you were a, if you were a call center uh, employee, like what what do you what do you want to happen during that day? What makes you want to have coffee? And it's really about just doing your job well, you know, wanting to perform as best as you can. So those those are good aspirations to realize. And if we can make people feel that a cup of Tim Hortons coffee can make them feel more energized, feel a bit more positive about their work, then we've done our job as a brand. And every time you identify a positive motivator, there's usually a negative motivator. What's the opposite? So people don't want to fall asleep, right? They don't want to get scolded by their team leads. They don't want to lose their jobs because they're in the middle of a graveyard shit. So they're worried about things like job security. They're worried about not being able to provide for their families. A lot of them are breadwinners. So by identifying what are the motivators both positive and negative you have a big you have a clearer picture you know of what what makes up your target market and i think if you can combine these five elements demographics uh online behavior offline behavior positive motivator negative motivator wala akong notes no <laughs> <laughs> graph because, because because i've been I've been using this for my own clients and my own um, consultants, consultation clients for, for years now, and it, it just works. If you if you put all of these five elements together, you have a very very good starting point of who your target audience is, and it applies I'm to anything. A lot.
1: Grabe. <laughs> well, that's Amazing. what I'm here for.
0: Hey, you know, <laughs> and you know what? When I when I when I guest teach at colleges, I actually use oh, this awesome. framework to teach these young kids how to pick. A boyfriend or a girlfriend. You uh, can use the same model. Let you, me think. Yeah, think about it. You have you have your really? ideal demographics, right? You have your ideal uh-huh, demographics. Uh-huh. Your age range, too high or too low. Age gender, range, gender, and very important spending capacity. <laughs> there, <you> go. <laughs> let's be real. Let's be real. Uh, oh. And then, ano ba yung, How does this person behave online versus how does this person behave offline? Nakakatawa siya, Pero toto, I'm Are telling they you, my frequent students,
1: posters? Are they just yeah, yeah.
0: My students love this cause they, gets, oh they get the lesson right away. Right, and then right. I always and then I teach them, okay, when you're looking <laughs> up for this partner and you go out on a date, what what are these person's hopes and dreams? What are their positive Uh-oh. motivators? And what are their worries? What are their negative motivators? So they have a clear idea na, oh, I Getting to know you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and so if you know this person's positive motivators, then you can already start thinking about, okay, so can I, can I amplify this? Can I build up? Can I support this person? And if negative motivators naman, it's a deal breaker for you. This person is always... The red flags. Uh, oh, that, exactly. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> yeah, so it applies. It, it applies to looking for a partner. <laughs>
1: I love this. Parang in analogy of dating then. Okay, so going towards the content side naman, um aligning with the dating scene and all. <laughs> How do you craft a good content strategy? This is the anuna parang last go. <laughs> uh
0: contents. Wow. I'm, I'm I'm old school. So I'm I'm a big believer in I'm a big believer in the Hero Hub help framework ni Google Oh,
1: na, amen. Yunga, yes. Diba? You
0: got you got to have your one big splash your 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 big awareness campaign you got to have your thematic hub content that brings people back to you over and over again Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. content to help which is where you're trying to just literally help your target market so if we're going to stick with the whole dating analogy your your hero (laughs) content is is going to be your what
1: i want to hear go
0: (laughs) your your hero content is your 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 big first impression how are you going to be remembered by as many people as possible and your thematic, the thing that keeps people coming back to you will, will be the themes of your life. Are you a person who's charitable? Are you nice? Mm. Uh, are, you, are you the kind of person who is nice to bring to the family, to introduce to the family? And the help content would be your day-to-day behavior. So what are the stuff day-to-day that makes you a, a, a positive choice for somebody looking for a partner? So from a brand perspective, how I would teach it is your hero content is your once-a-year big thing your big right. deal content talaga to everybody your thematic would be what are the seasons that you can own so let's say coca-cola they will always own summer and Christmas Chucky will always own Mother's Day Philippine Airlines will always try to own um, National Heroes Day chaw Christmas as well for the OFW so every brand has a season that it owns where it where it's automatically relevant to people so I always suggest to my clients and to brands that I, I work with what what is that what is your season? It can be weekends. It, it doesn't have to be like a month or a quarter or a national mm. day. It could just be as simple as mealtimes or weekends or for an Escafe, mornings. Right? Mm. So the, every every brand has a theme. And the question is, can you find your theme? Because if you can find your theme, you will have a whole universe of content. Like my YouTube channel, my content is work life. And there's a ton of stuff on work life, which is why oh, I, I like sure. that topic. And I get I get to talk about things that I'm passionate about, which is personal development, career growth, uh, living basic basically through struggles and rising above it. So, by the way, if, uh, if for your listeners, shameless plug: check out my Guys. channel Better Today yes. with Jason Cruz. <laughs> yeah, and then the final one would be help. You know, what are the what are the things that you're good at? I, I I genuinely believe that every brand, every person, every business is good at one thing, like minimum one thing. What are you good at? When you use that to help other people? And if you can do that, you already have a huge amount of content that's possible for you. Whether that's helping people learn how to do things, teaching them an easier way or a more convenient way to do things, it just just helps people. So I think if you have that Hero Hub help framework, you will never, ever run out of content.
1: Wow, that was overwhelmingly... Amazing to learn from you. So before I let you go, Sir Jason, um, leave us and our listeners and viewers as well one wicked thought to wrap all this up.
0: Ah, the wicked thought, the hard there. one. <laughs> uh,
1: oh,
0: I, so I didn't really get to like prepare for a wicked thought, but there's a, there's a personal principle that is the motivation behind my, my YouTube channel. And I want to share that with everybody here. There are, there are two kinds of mindsets that I think a lot of us have. The One, one mindset is where we, we believe that we are already good at something and therefore we spend our lives proving that we are good at something, whether that's marketing or public speaking or making coffee. But then there's the other way of thinking, which is instead of, instead of thinking, well, I'm already good at this, rather, can I improve on this day by day? And I think if we start thinking about, can I improve on this day by day, you tend to have better results. Again, this applies for everything from marketing to, to, to personal development to, to dating even. So that's kind of where I wanted, that's the that's story that I wanted to tell with my channel you know, about improving day to day, hence the title Better Today. If you are a marketer and you're listening in, can you, you, know, you don't have to be good at digital marketing today. You just have to start and then every day you make a small improvement. And before you know it, you look back a year later. Wow. Ang layo na. It's how I also ch- started with my channel. And my first video was horrendous. I probably have like three three cuts in the entire video because I didn't know how to edit. And then now I'm a lot more comfortable with speaking to the camera. I'm a lot more comfortable uh, speaking with just key points, no longer like a written script. Because of that day-to-day improvement over the last year and a half. So I think as my final weekend thought, it's about shifting our mindset from, I have to be good at this now to, I, can j- I just need to start. All I have to do is improve this bit by bit every single day. And if you can improve just a tiny little bit every day, look, I swear, look back a year later and you'd be so surprised at how far you've come. Like, we don't notice of those improvements, but they're the most important thing.
1: So, guys, that's Jason Cruz and his wicked thought. So, Jason, where do we find you online? Anything you want to mention and promote? Go ahead.
0: Uh, online. Um, I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm generally on YouTube and LinkedIn most of the time. LinkedIn because I, I work in the B2B world. So, LinkedIn is really where I, I get to promote uh, my company, uh, look for clients, uh, so if you guys wanna connect on LinkedIn, my LinkedIn is JSN Cruz. I'm very easy to find everywhere on social media is JSN Cruz. The only uh, one
1: and only Jason Cruz. Hannah, uh,
0: <laughs> I had to do that because there is a very, very famous Jason Cruz. He's the lead singer of a rock band called The Howl. So if you search oh, <laughs> just Jason Cruz, you're gonna find lots of like Wikipedia and band music from the Howl. Anyway. <laughs> I I wish them the best, but it is bad for my SEO. And then the other place is my my YouTube channel. Hopefully, you guys can support Better Today with Jason Cruz. I I have videos on work-life content. And um, hopefully, one of those can help you guys out.
1: Definitely. We'll check your channel out. And I'll leave that as well on our show notes for you guys to check. So, guys, Jason Cruz, thank you so much. Have a great day.
0: Thanks for having me. And that was the latest episode from
1: Wicked Thoughts.
0: This season is sponsored by The Company
1: co-working Space in Cebu and Content Dash. A simple and fast social media content planner. Sign up for a free account at www.content-app. Tune in for more Wicked Conversations right here at Wicked Thoughts.